Good morning. So if you could turn in your Bibles to Habakkuk, or Habakkuk as we say in England, chapter 3. Just go to Matthew, turn left by four books. And while you're turning there, I heard a story about a burglar who broke into a house. And as he was sneaking around with his flashlight, he heard a voice, Jesus is watching you. He was a bit startled, and he turns around to look where the voice is coming from with his flashlight and sees a parrot. Did you say that? Jesus is watching you. What's your name? Moses. What kind of an owner calls their parrot Moses? And the parrot replies, the same kind that calls its 150-pound Rottweiler Jesus. (laughs) So there's an inflatable boy. You may have heard this one before, but I'm going to tell it for those who haven't because it's awesome. There was an inflatable boy in England, because that's where you get inflatable boys from. And he got accepted into the only inflatable school in England. The principal was inflatable, all the teachers were inflatable, all the students were inflatable. But one day, he went a bit crazy with a drawing pin. Pyong, 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 pyong. So the principal had to call him into his office and say, you've let me down, you let yourself down, you let the whole school down. (laughs) Okay, one more. One more, because Derek said we need to laugh. Okay, this is a bit of an old-fashioned one. It's about a blonde and a redhead. Now, I'm going more blonde, and I've got gingerhead kids, so I can get away with this. A blonde and a redhead own a ranch, but they have lost their bull. The women need to buy another one, but only have $500. The redhead says, I'll go to the market and see if I can find one, and then I'll send you a telegram to let you know. I told you it was old-fashioned a long time ago. She goes to the market and finds one for $499. With $1 left... She then goes to send a telegram, but it costs a dollar per word. How will she let the blonde know to bring the truck to collect it? She thinks for a moment and then sends the word, comfortable. Puzzled, the operator asks, how will she know? To which the redhead replies, she's blonde, so she reads slow, comfortable. (laughs) Is she going to say anything important this morning? Maybe, maybe not. Okay, well, Habakkuk 3 says this. And actually, the verse 1 says that this was sung by the prophet Habakkuk. I've heard all about you. Oh, actually, let's read it in this version. This is better. NIV. This is the one that we know the song by. Lord, I've heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. And the older NIV says, renew them in our day. In our time, make them known, and in wrath, remember mercy. Do you remember that song? Oh, we have heard of your fame. We stand in awe of your wonderful deeds, O Lord. Renew them in our day. You know that one? It's a wonderful song. And the chap who spoke last week wrote it. Got Mike Goodwood with another bloke. So as I was reading this, and I've been meditating on this, I thought, Lord, I've heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. Lord, renew them in our day. In our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. In our day. The title of my message this morning is In Our Day. It's pretty simple. How are we going to see all the prophetic words, what God says in his word, all the words spoken over the church, not only here but globally, all the promises, all the prophetic things we hear, the waves that we hear, how are we going to see that come to fruition in our day? 
because I want to see it in my day, in our day, okay? In 1 Chronicles 12, it talks about the sons of Issachar, that they knew, they understood the times they were living in, and they knew just what to do. I believe we're like the sons of Issachar. We're supposed to understand the times we're living in and know just what to do. Now, Sunday night when we had a gathering in our home, the word came forward that the tides are changing, that the walls are falling down, and that darkness is shaking. And we decided, the team decided to sing it this morning. Wasn't that awesome? Let's do that next week. I love that song. It's a prophetic song. It is what, this is what heaven is saying. This is from heaven's perspective, if you like. And I believe we need to see, because we're seated with Christ in heavenly places, we're seated up here. We should be all the time as believers seeing from heaven down to earth, not earth to heaven, seeing from heaven's perspective. And I believe that is what God is saying. The tides are changing. The walls are falling down. I'm going to go into a bit more detail in a minute. And darkness is shaking from heaven's perspective. That's exciting. That's a good thing. So we, as believers, need to grab it and think, I'm going to see from heaven's perspective. I'm going to pray from heaven's perspective, not from earth to heaven. I heard a quote from a man called Bill Johnson. He said, Jesus did not react to the darkness. He responded to the Father. It's easy as believers to be moved by what we see. Oh, my gosh, God, the world's in such a mess. Oh, God, oh, God, help us. And in prayer meetings, we've got to be careful how we pray. Don't pray what we see. Don't react to what's going on around us. Pray from heaven's perspective. What has God already said? What has he promised? That's how believers are meant to pray. Not a shopping list. Not a wine list. (laughs) Not bottles of wine. (laughs) But it's about seeing, recognizing, actually, God's got this. Um, I'm going to show you a little clip now, just for more comedy. from One of my favorite people in the world. Have we got it? Some people, like when they pray, they get nervous and they say just too much. You know, you pray in a small group, it's like, Lord, I just want to just, we just, we just come to just in spirit of just, we just, just in justliness and justification. And just, we say just, and we just, and you're like, just finish the prayer. You're just not ready for this. Start stacking chairs. Come back next week and try again. My dad does this when he prays. He uses father way too much when he prays. Father, we come to your father and it's spirit of father. Father, you are father. We come to your father. Father, just, just, father, father, just. Just, just, father, father. You don't talk to your friends like that. Ed, Ed, come over, Ed. Ed, 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 you are Ed, 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 He wouldn't be your friend anymore if you did that. Like you keep saying, Ed, my name's Joe. Because I've watched him so much, it's really hard to take people seriously in prayer meetings. And then I find myself saying, and just, we just worship you, just, ah, I'm doing it. Okay, let's talk about this tides. Let's put that aside for tides. The tides are changing. When I heard that line, I don't know about you, but this is what it triggered in me. You know, what do tides do? They come in and they go out, right? But I didn't see it as the tide going out because that would indicate dry land, a bit dry bit boring but I saw it as the tide coming in and a lot of words we've been spoken 
in this house about a spiritual tsunami. There's a wave of God coming. All those prophetic type words, what does it mean? I just simply think it means the tide has come in for us and we're in a very watery place. Now in the Bible, the imagery for the Holy Spirit is water, fire, oil. It's a picture of a move of the Holy Spirit of God in our time. But I, it made me think also of St. Michael's Mount. Has anyone ever been to St. Michael's Mount? Yep, the British people. Have you got a picture there of it? Did it work? Oh, there you go. It's gorgeous. I went there a couple of years ago with my boys. And here's the path that you walk out from Marazion in Cornwall. And you walk out the path and you go up these lovely cottages and up to this gorgeous castle. And it is stunning. But when we walked out and we went up and did the tour, by the time we got back down, the path was gone. The tide had come in and it was just surrounded by sea. Now, thankfully, they've already thought this through and they had boats ready to take us back. What's my point? I got there on foot, but after the tide came in, I could no longer go back the way I came. I had to go back a different way. I had to go with the flow, if you like, to get in that boat. It's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. It's not by your effort. We've got to flow with the Holy Spirit. That's what that means. The tide has come in. We're in a very watery place. We need to move with the Holy Spirit. Um, I was in Walmart the other day, and I'd had some time with the Lord. I'd been praying in tongues, reading my Bible, having a lovely time with the Lord. And I then remember, I've got to go get Jonah from school. But I've got a few minutes, so I'll pop into Walmart, got to get a few things, you know. And for us mums, we've got very little time. I've got this, I've got to get there for then. I go into Walmart and I'm walking and as soon as I come in, a woman walks past me in a Walmart uniform and I immediately notice her and I get the prompting of the spirit because I'm full of the spirit. I've just spent time with God, I've been praying, got the word in me, so my reservoir is full. I'm in Walmart and I notice her and I well, carry on walking and I've got that ooh, nervous feeling for no apparent reason, I call it, the prompting of the spirit and I hear, go and pray for her. And I keep walking. I've got to get this done. I've got to get that done. I've got to go get Jonah. And I'm halfway around the store. Now, I noticed her because she was hobbling. She was struggling to walk. And I thought, oh, okay. I thought, I stopped on my tracks halfway around the store. And I thought, I'm going to have to go way back and find her because she's struggling to walk. And I said, Lord, please forgive me for hesitating. Please give me another opportunity. And I turn around, and she's right behind me. And there's a pile of shoes and sandals all on sale. And she's moving them around. And she's just talking my ear off and offering all this information to me. These are the only shoes the doctor says I can wear. I says, oh, is that right? Are they orthopedic? What's wrong with your feet? So she's telling me all this stuff. It was the easiest divine appointment. Anyway, so I'm standing there and I'm thinking, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do? So I said to her, well, it's funny you should talk to me about it because I pray for people and Jesus heals them. She went, oh, I'm Catholic. I said, oh, well, then you would know. <laughs> because, of course, we know Catholic means universal church. I believe in the universal church. So I said, well, you know that God is good then and that he loves you and he wants you to be healed. So would, I don't want to embarrass you, but can I pray for you? Now, one of the things we've taught through the years when we do evangelism is, and this is a really good rule of thumb, and I was reminded at the time of this thing going on, the devil will never tell you to go pray for someone. He just won't do it. It's not his thing. He'll never tell you to go tell someone about Jesus. So it's either you and your enthusiasm, <laughs> or it's God. So, and I wasn't feeling like it. So I knew, okay, God, you've asked me to do this. I'll do it. So I prayed for her, greeted her, went on my way. 
I didn't see her legs do anything crazy, but she was receptive. Now, my job is just to obey. What's my point? When you're in that watery place and full of the Holy Spirit, your tank is full, and when he taps you on the shoulder and says, do you notice that? Do this. You just obey. And then if every Christian on planet Earth walked every single day, and I need to do it more, but we do it every day, we're full, we go out of the house full, he taps you on the shoulder, you notice it, you're ready, you can trust, and you just tell yourself, the devil's not telling me, I'm not really keen to do it because I'm a bit embarrassed or a bit scared, so it's not me, it's obviously God. <laughs> then he's going to back it up, right? Okay, Habakkuk 2.14, I'll just refer to it, says, for the time will come when all the earth will be filled as the waters fill the sea with an awareness of the glory of the Lord. The tides are changing. I simply believe the tide for us is the water has come in and we're in a very watery place. The access to the things of the Spirit, the move of the Spirit is right here. It's right here and right now. Number two, walls, 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 walls. Walls are breaking down. Walls are falling down. To me, when I think of walls, there's something in the way. There's a wall. There's a blockage. I think heaven is saying that which was a blockage is being divinely removed. And that which has been a blockage is being broken down. That could be blockages in your own life, but generally speaking, they are being broken down. Whatever that means to you. I think of the walls of Jericho. What was the purpose? What happened there? The walls fell down so that the people could go and take the city. We are living in a day and a time where the church of Jesus Christ in every city, in every town, needs to wake up and say, heaven, what is your blueprint for my city? God, what is your plan for this city? How can we become relevant to this city, become necessary to this city, so that if we closed our doors, people would miss us? I think about that a lot. (laughs) What's the purpose? What's our purpose? We need to take ownership of our city. What's the mayor's name? What's the chief of police's name? What's the crime rates like? What's the divorce rates like? If we want to see our city transformed, it's the church's mandate in the earth to see heaven come to earth and see everywhere we put our foot transformed. We have to make an impact. We'll either make an impact on the world or the world will make an impact on us. But we're called to be atmosphere shifters, thermostats. We're called to do, do this by the Spirit. We're in that watery place. We're full. We're ready. Our tank is full. We obey, and we are ready. Amen? Amen. So I believe that heaven has a blueprint for this city, and we need to ask him, God, what is it that Life Church needs to do? There's loads of great churches. I believe the Spirit of God is speaking to believers everywhere to rise up and make an impact in their city, that we're not irrelevant. But what are we doing? You know, we're getting involved, we're doing stuff, but, we, but, but on the individual aspect, we can at least do the Walmarts and the Targets in our workplace, being full, going into every situation full and listening to the Spirit of God and obeying when he prompts you just to obey. And Sarah read from Isaiah 60, I think, this morning, and I had Isaiah 62 highlighted. So I'm going to read that to you. Isaiah 62, verse 6 and 7. The whole chapter is awesome. And, of course, Isaiah 61 We're anointed by the Spirit of God. So maybe today, when you get a chance, read Isaiah 61 and 62. 
But Isaiah 62, verse 6 and 7 says, O Jerusalem, I have posted watchmen on your walls. They will pray to the Lord day and night for the fulfillment of his promises. Take no rest, all you who pray. Give the Lord no rest until he makes Jerusalem the object of praise throughout the earth. Zion, Jerusalem, all this is biblical language for the church. We are to become a praise in the earth, where the, the earth would miss the church if we suddenly disappeared. Do you believe that? It's the truth. Okay. Number three, darkness is shaking. We sing another song here quite regularly. Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. You silence fear. Jesus in me and Jesus in you makes the darkness tremble. Somebody better know their authority. If we don't know our authority, then... We're useless. Luke 10, 19 says, Jesus said to his disciples, Behold, I have given you all authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means harm you. Those are just biblical words for the devil and his mess. Serpents and scorpions, that's the devil. All his cohorts, we have all authority. We don't rejoice in that, but we need to recognize we have authority. The darkness is shaking. Why is it shaking? Because he knows his days are numbered. And, and this is biblical truth. What we're saying is prophetic way of putting it. But it's what God is doing in the earth. And actually, we know we win. We know God's the greatest. And the enemy is shaking. And what's he going to do? He's going to try and intimidate. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But one of the enemy's tactics, I believe, is to intimidate Christians. It says in Daniel that in the end days, he will come, the enemy will come to wear down the saints. And one of his methods is intimidation. Have you ever noticed when you are praying for someone who's sick, they might get worse at first? Have you ever noticed that? Maybe that's never happened to you. That is, that is because the spirit of infirmity wants to intimidate you to back off right before the breakthrough. We're meant to step up at that point and think, God wants this person healed. I'm not stopping here. That's why we sometimes we pray for people multiple times. But don't give up. Don't be intimidated. The word intimidation to, is to make timid, fearful, to frighten, to deter, to threaten, menace, harass, hound, or shock. A lot of the time, if the enemy can't make you sin, he'll just waste your time. He'll rob your sleep. He'll rob your friendships. The amount of times I have the weirdest dreams, and I just wake up and laugh, and I know that's not from God, is to waste my time. I'm not going to be bothered by that. I was in a meeting one time, and the worship was going on. It wasn't here, and uh, it was a fantastic time of worship. And there was this character that would come into the meeting. I knew he wasn't born again, and, he, and with, it was an open-door policy with this church, so we welcome people, of course. And he would jump bionically high during worship, and it wasn't like a joyous expression. It was almost mocking, like menacing, like, <laughs> Christians are stupid. He jumped bionically high. And it bothered my spirit. And so I know we wrestle not against flesh and blood. I knew there was a spirit working here. So I just quietly under my breath said, you couldn't hear. The music was so loud. So I just said, in the name of Jesus, stop it. I'm stood quite far away from him. And he immediately stopped. I thought, that's interesting. He moves to the other side of the room. And people are bothered by it. It's a distraction. It's like menacing and ridiculous and like mocking it was that's what I felt it was it was mocking the people of God he moves over here does it again I mean it was ridiculous it wasn't normal it wasn't it was abnormal supernatural so I said in the name of Jesus stop it stopped immediately 
we've got to know our authority. Now, we're not these settings. We don't see a lot of stuff, but we do sometimes. And so we've got to recognize the enemy's just, he's shaking. The darkness is shaking. He's trying to intimidate, but he's already defeated. He is already defeated. I was thinking about, oh, what, the, opposite of, the opposite of intimidation, by the way, is cheer, comfort, impartation of courage. That's what the Holy Spirit does. So when you feel any of these things, maybe a situation in your life is intimidating you, maybe a person is uh, making you timid or fearful, some of the laws in some nations, even in, over the pond, where it's quite strict about what you can say publicly about your faith, people, Christians sometimes can back off and become timid in their faith and forget that we are as bold as lions. The righteous are as bold as a lion. The wicked flee when no one is pursuing, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. We're not backing down. We have the answer. We mustn't be fearful or timid, but the enemy wants Christians to be weak, fearful, and timid. So don't let that be you. Don't let that be me. Amen? Psalm 119, and I'm about to finish here, and then I think it'd be really good if we sang that song again, and if the prayer teams can pray, and if you need prayer for any of these things we'll talk about in a minute. In Psalm 119, verse 105, it says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And it says in Psalm 23, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, since I was a little girl, maybe Bible scholars can correct me, I always believed that rod and staff were representative of the Spirit and the Word. Because that's what we've got on earth. That's what we've been given. As a believer, you have the Word and you have the Spirit. They're in your hands. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. If there's a shadow, there has to be some light. But obviously, when the light is low, the shadows are long. When the light is high, the shadows are very short or gone completely. You see what I'm getting at? When the sun is low, the shadows are long. When the sun is high, the shadows disappear. When Jesus is exalted in our lives, in your life, in my life, he's number one. The shadows disappear. He's high. And you keep your eyes on Jesus. You pray from a heavenly perspective down. You're seated with Christ in heavenly places. The shadows become, they disappear. And the word and your spirit, they comfort me. There's, there's no new method here. How are we going to get there? Be full of the Holy Spirit. Be full of the word. I was thinking about hunger and thirst. On a, and I want to read a couple of verses to finish and talk about Psalm 107. Natural hunger is different than spiritual hunger. When you're hungry, you eat something and the hunger goes away. When you're spiritually hungry and thirsty, the more you eat, the words, the more you fill up on the spirit, the more hungry you get. And you and I, well, I'm not responsible for your hunger. Neither is Jeremy, Diana, Dan, any leaders of any church anywhere. Your pastor is not responsible for your hunger. You are. That's good news. You can manage your own spiritual appetite. And actually a sign of spiritual health is a hunger for the word of God. There's no condemnation. If you struggle reading your Bible, let me just tell you some keys that will really help you. Read the Bible. Find a section to read. Psalms, Proverbs. If you're a disciple of someone, what do you do? You follow them around. Live in the Gospels. Look at the life of Jesus all the time. Follow him around. 
the more you give your attention to something, there your desire will follow. It's a discipline that rapidly becomes a delight. And for every believer on the planet, it's the same. It's no new method. You fill your mind with Netflix. There's nothing wrong with watching a show now and then. But we are in the days the sons of Issachar recognized the times they were in and they knew just what to do. We are in times where we can't afford to have minimum input from God and maximum output from the world. You know, input from the world. So if your life is all entertainment, all just blah, 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 <laughs> just change it up a bit. Feed on the word again. If you're recognizing your hunger and your appetite is a bit waning, just recognize, I need to feed on the word. Cultivate your spiritual appetite. I'll cultivate mine, you do yours, and we'll be ready together. Amen? <laughs> One of the founding words of this house, when we first started this church, the Lord gave me Psalm 107, and I'll read this just a bit to you. Psalm 107, verse 9, talks about the hungry and the thirsty. Uh, I'll just say it to you. You can look it up. Psalm 107, verse 9, and then also 33 to 38. And here's the principle. He satisfies the hungry and the thirsty with good things. If you're hungry and you're thirsty, you will be satisfied with good things. Later on, in verse 33 to 38, it talks about the, the state of the land. So something that was life-giving, he turns into a desert but because of the wickedness of the people. But also, he turns the desert into a place that's full of life springs. So basically, he takes a desert into a place that's watery and full of life and springs of life. And right there where it's life-giving, he places the hungry to dwell there so that that we may establish our inhabited cities, sow our fields, root bumper crops, establish big families. You can read it. I'm paraphrasing. The picture is revival. And all we have to do is be hungry and thirsty. And in God's amazing design, he saves us by his precious blood. He gives us his word and his spirit. All we have to do is fill up And if we just do it, our hunger grows. It's his design. It's amazing. He's designed it to help us. So all we have to do is cultivate that hunger. And if we'll be hungry and thirsty, we will, we will see all these words come to pass. So the tides are changing. The walls are falling down. The darkness is shaking. We need to be full of the word and full of the spirit so that we can respond accordingly. So we don't miss it. So we don't ignore his promptings. We need to partner with God, partner with heaven. And we need to stay hungry. Cultivate our own spiritual appetites where we're not dull. We can stay dull if you want to. <laughs> A big part of praying in the spirit is praying in tongues. If you want to know more about that, go to YouTube, Bath City Church, 10 Reasons Why We Pray in Tongues. And it's me. <laughs> so if you can stand the sound of my voice, it's a biblical exegesis of 10 reasons why we pray in tongues and why it is vital for Christians. There's no condemnation if you don't, but you can. But I think if you'll take the time to listen to that, it's funny. You'll have a laugh listening to it. If you can, my voice, la, 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 la. the last two times I've spoken here, our sound system doesn't recognize my vocal frequency. Apparently, I'm extraterrestrial. <laughs> so we'll see how we get on today. But it worked for that message. So if you want to listen to it, I do believe that being full of the Holy Spirit, there's a part of that that you need a heavenly language that's out of your control. Because the Bible says when you pray in tongues, your mind is unfruitful. That's a good thing. When you pray in tongues, you don't speak to men, but you speak to God. That's a good thing. You're speaking directly to God. You're speaking mysteries. The enemy cannot crack that code. 
And you know, sometimes in a prayer meeting, I'll finish here. I don't know what to pray, so I'll yield to the Holy Spirit and I'll pray in tongues for 10, 15 minutes. And then thoughts come, pop into my spirit. And then thoughts start to come. And see, the intercession, sorry, the intimacy in my, my language to the Lord starts to turn to intercession and I'm thinking about something else. And then I can pray that. And that's actually praying in the Spirit. That's being pre- praying, being led by the Spirit of God. You took the time to yield to him and listen. And then you start to move into intercession. He gives me, oh, I need to pray for this. Rather than, you know how it is, there's so much to pray for. Endless shopping lists and praying out of our own inspiration. And, you know, we can't do that. We've got to pray from heaven's perspective because that's the most effective. So we're going to go back into that song. And if the prayer teams or ministry teams, healing teams, you know who you are, want to come up, I just want to encourage you. This is, this is heaven's perspective. This is happening. Whether I'm ready or not, it's happening, and I'm going to be ready. But if you are facing in any of these three things, just stuff that you're like, I need a bit of help here, that's what we're here for, for each other. So if you feel like the tide has gone out and you're in a really dry place, actually the truth is you're not. The tide has come in. So God wants to touch you. He wants you to know that the fullness of the Spirit is there for you. If you feel like the walls are built up, you've got walls of fear in your life, or there's walls in relationship, there's some sort of blockage that you're facing, and it doesn't feel like it's fallen down. Actually, the truth is, God wants to knock it down. So come up and get prayer. And the third one, darkness is shaking. If you feel actually, you feel really intimidated and fearful, maybe you're being plagued by something, the truth is, the darkness is shaking. He's just trying to intimidate you, so you'll back off. So recognize the truth. He loves you so much. He wants this more than we do. (laughs) So the power and the anointing is here today to break the yoke of bondage on your life. Amen?